Greetings, you're listening to podcast number 162 of Blast the Right. I'm your host, Jack Clark. Great to have you on board. Today, a look at how Haiti has been battered from pillar to post by the West. How right-wing policies have destroyed that nation. An analysis you won't hear on any mainstream corporate-owned media. An antidote to the aren't-we-noble claims when we send Haitians some charitable aid. Let's get right into it. Your sources today include the New York Times, the Miami Herald, the Washington Post, CommonDreams.org, Salon.com, The Nation Magazine, Human Rights Watch, The Boston Globe, The CIA Factbook, and The Times of London. To start off, how about you take a listen to Bill O'Reilly's Talking Points memo from January 13th. That was the day after the earthquake walloped Haiti. I usually don't play such long clips, but you need to hear the whole thing. Hi, I'm Bill O'Reilly. Thanks for watching us tonight. Haiti, liberalism in America. That is the subject of this evening's Talking Points memo. A terrible earthquake, as you know, has crushed the Caribbean nation of Haiti, the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. Reports say thousands are dead, and this beleaguered nation may completely collapse. The question is, how much should the world do to save Haiti? Now, some conservative commentators today pointed out it took President Obama three days to talk about the Christmas Day terror incident, but just hours to address the disaster in Haiti. Talking Points believes the president should have reacted quicker to the underwear bomber, but it is certainly appropriate for Mr. Obama to address Haiti quickly. The United States is a noble nation, and the word the world needs to hear that over and over and over. Already the U.S. Coast Guard is saving lives in Haiti, and America will respond generously to this devastation. We always do. Always. Now, as far as Haiti is concerned, the USA has given that country more than $1 billion over the past five years. Compare that to the World Bank, which has donated about $300 million over the same time. It is clear America is very concerned about the world's poor. And Talking Points would like to know how much money Russia and China have donated. I myself donate money to the Haitian Health Foundation run by a Connecticut patriot, Dr. Jerry Lowney. I give the money directly to the doctor because I know if I send it to the island, Haitian authorities will most likely steal it. And therein lies the problem with Haiti, massive corruption. There are 9 million Haitians on the island, so there's enough aid to provide for all of them. The nation could be a tourist mecca. It is rich in folklore and culture, including voodoo. It has the Caribbean Sea and very nice people. But there is little tourism in Haiti. My travels there have been illuminating. Only half the population can read and write. Unemployment's more than 50%. Most Haitians live on less than $2 a day. No matter how much charity is given, no matter how many good intentions there are, Haiti will remain chaotic until discipline is imposed. Many liberals don't want to hear that. They believe a nanny state can provide, but it can't. No society will prosper unless there are rules of conduct, mandatory education, and fairness by those in power. None of that happens in Haiti. And so the USA will once again pour millions into that country, much of which will be stolen. Once again, we will do more than anyone else on the planet. And one year from today, Haiti will be just as bad as it is right now. And that's a memo. Okay, O'Reilly gives you the corporate media take on Haiti. 
Now you're going to hear the truth. Here's an overview of what you're going to find out. Quote, Haiti's vulnerability to natural disasters, its food shortages, poverty, deforestation, and lack of infrastructure are not accidental. To say that it is the poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere is to miss the point. Haiti was made poor by France, the United States, Great Britain, other Western powers, and by the IMF and the World Bank. Haiti's every attempt at self-government has been undermined by the West, particularly France and the United States. Close quote. Before we get into this, I want to remind you about my four pillars concept. It's my analysis of the major ways the first world economically exploits the third world. The four pillars are how the right effectuates the supreme right-wing directive. Transfer wealth from everyone else to the already rich. I go over these four pillars in detail in Podcast 137. That's a seminal podcast that I urge you to listen to if you haven't. In short, the four pillars are 1. Sweetheart contracts for natural resources. 2. Unfair conditions of international trade. 3. Dubious loans that ensnare third world countries on a debt treadmill. And 4. Imposition of so-called structural adjustment programs. You'll see how at least three of these right-wing methods were employed in the destruction of the Haitian nation by the West. Let's begin where one needs to begin, with Saint-Domingue, which was what Haiti was called when it was a French colony. Back in colonial days, sugar was an important cash crop. A half million enslaved Africans produced so much sugar cane that Saint-Domingue became the largest exporter of sugar in the world. The French nation was enormously enriched. The French imposed brutal conditions on the slaves. So many died that tens of thousands of new slaves had to be imported every year to maintain production. Well, the slaves revolted in 1791. They defeated Napoleon and two other Western armies. It was a savage war. One of the rebelling slaves' slogans was, Burn houses, cut off their heads. This was the only successful slave revolt in history. When Haiti declared independence in 1804, it became the first black republic in the world. Remember, in the Bible, God had to intervene to make the Israelites' escape from slavery successful. Haitians didn't have a deity performing the equivalent of the ten plagues or of parting the Red Sea for them. They did it on their own, against the superpowers of the day. And there's the rub. Much of the wealth of the world's superpowers was based on the labor of enslaved Africans. What would happen if other slaves got ideas? Slaveholders in the United States were truly terrified that the rebellion could spread a few hundred miles northward and endanger their Dixie paradise. So America refused to recognize free Haiti for six decades. But non-recognition was the least of it. The United States and France imposed a crippling trade embargo on Haiti. Even worse, 12 French warships with 150 cannon surrounded the devastated island and demanded reparations for the loss of the slaves and the income they would have produced. Haiti had no defense, no navy, no protection against any onslaught from offshore cannon fire. So it was forced to agree to pay the reparations the French demanded. 
It was an obscene sum, a hundred fifty million francs, five times the value of all of Haiti's exports. The formerly enslaved Haitians worked to death for centuries, now had to pay for their freedom. To make its payments, Haiti had to take out loans from U.S., German, and French banks at extortionate rates. At times, 80% of the Haitian national budget went to these reparation payments. It took 122 years for Haiti to pay off the debt until 1947, a debt that not a single franc should have been paid for. Haiti was essentially destroyed by the West from its very beginning. Quote, Money that might have been spent on building a stable economy went to foreign bankers. Haiti's economy was hopelessly distorted, its land deforested, mired in poverty. Close quote. This all reminds me of what happened after the Sandinista Revolution in Nicaragua in 1979. Unlike U.S.-supported dictators, the Sandinistas governed in the interests of the poor majority. The U.S. did all it could to destroy that country and make it ungovernable by the Sandinistas. The threat of a good example could not be tolerated. Back to Haiti. Beyond the sheer economic devastation inflicted upon that nation, the embargo and forced reparations also helped lead to a terribly malformed Haitian political structure. Quote, Haiti's peculiar political system took shape mirroring in distorted form, like a wax model placed too close to the fire, the slave society of colonial times. At its apex, the white colonists were supplanted by a new ruling class made up largely of black and mulatto officers. Though these groups soon became bitter political rivals, they were as one in their determination to maintain in independent Haiti the cardinal principle of governance inherited from Saint-Domingue, the brutal predatory extraction of the country's wealth by a chosen powerful few. Fragility of rule and uncertainty of tenure multiplied the imperative to plunder. Close quote. If all this sounds horrible, there's a lot more to come. Stay tuned. So you wear the best until they'll get no legacy. Bankrolled by CEOs and died by Christian destiny. You give us empty words and flags to rally around. But the rest of it don't seem to trickle down. To streets of hopeless faces, mortgage and foreclosed. Part-time jobs forsaken by the HMOs Sucking up the welfare when there's more to subsidize And they won't just go away if you ask nice Kill the poor, you poor Put a cap right in their brain Ain't no room this utopia Better guess it ain't All the BPs are my soccer moms to clear your In 1910, the U.S. effectively bought the Haitian debt. In order to ensure debt payments and restore some order in the country, 
there has to be order to produce some wealth to make the debt payments right. In 1915, we invaded and occupied Haiti for 19 years. We installed a puppet government, changed the constitution to allow foreigners to own land, took over the economy, and, according to an article in the Miami Herald, instituted a system of compulsory labor for poor Haitians. And anyone who resisted the occupation? They were crushed with military force. Over 2,000 Haitians were killed in one battle alone. As an aside, it seems that our interventions come in clusters. We also invaded and occupied Nicaragua during that time period, from 1912 to 1933, for example. In a mid-century cluster, we overthrew the Iranian government in 1953, the Guatemalan government in 1954, and in 1956 refused to allow elections promised under the Geneva Accords to take place in Vietnam. You're of course presently familiar with our invasions and occupations of Iraq and Afghanistan. More to come, I fear. Yemen, anyone? Anyway, you can imagine the mess we left behind in Haiti when we pulled our troops out in 1934. America to the rescue again. Under CIA direction in 1956, Francois Papadoc Duvalier was installed as President for Life. His Tantan Makut death squads killed tens of thousands of Haitians. In 1971, after Papadoc died, his even worse son, nicknamed Baby Doc, took over. He stole hundreds of millions of dollars from the National Treasury. And let me not forget to mention, Father and son ran up hundreds of millions of dollars in international debt. Seeing the world through right-wing colored glasses, the U.S. supported the Duvaliers for 29 years, considering them bulwarks against Castro's communist Cuba. Then what happened? Quote, the Duvalier era came to an end in 1986 when President Ronald Reagan ordered U.S. forces to whisk Baby Doc to exile in France, saving him from a popular uprising. Close quote. Several years of instability followed until an event second in import only to the 1791 slave revolt occurred. Nearly two centuries later, in 1990, Haitians, in an internationally recognized democratic election, chose a priest, a very popular priest, Jean-Bertrand Aristide, as president. And the liberation theology preaching Aristide didn't want to follow our orders on how to rule. He actually wanted to spend money to help the starving, disease-ridden, poor majority who had elected him. So, merely nine months into Aristide's term, the George H.W. Bush administration overthrew him. A CIA-backed junta led by a U.S. military-trained Haitian Army officer took power. Once Bill Clinton became president, Congressional Democrats pressured him to restore Aristide to power. Clinton, through the threat of military intervention, did so. But, surprise, surprise, the U.S. followed the Haitian historical pattern by forcing Aristide to accept onerous economic reforms. Now, here comes George W. Bush. The U.S., joined by Canada and France, 
started pressuring Aristide, for example, by cutting off international aid. We wanted to topple his government by further destroying the economy and making the country ungovernable. Then Aristide really sealed his fate. He demanded restitution from France, including interest, for those reparations the Haitians had made at gunpoint. The sum came to over $21 billion. Mere months later, Aristide faced an armed rebellion and the Bush administration flew Aristide out of the country into exile. There's a lot of evidence that right-wing Republicans in Congress, led by Senator Jesse Helms, played the lead role in fomenting opposition to Aristide during this time period and sabotaging his rule. There's also evidence that the GOP's Haitian contacts played a leading role in the violent insurgency that overthrew Aristide. Max Blumenthal wrote a long piece for Salon.com setting forth the evidence. The article is entitled, the other regime change. Did the Bush administration allow a network of right-wing Republicans to foment a violent coup in Haiti? There's no time here to get into all the gory details. I'd suggest you go check out the article if the subject is of particular interest to you. Now, the U.S. government will deny being involved in either the 1991 or 2004 coups, but Given our hundred-year history in Latin America, if you believe that, I have a large metal structure in an aquatic setting in New York that I'd like to sell you. Please email me at rational at roadrunner.com for the particulars. A couple of asides here. Do you find it as fascinating as I do that first Papa Bush waged war against Iraq and overthrew Aristide in Haiti? And then his son George W. Bush also waged war against Iraq and overthrew Aristide in Haiti. Also, you should be aware of the outrageous conduct of our nation in the case of Emmanuel Constant. He was a Haitian mass murderer who founded a paramilitary group called the Front for the Advancement of Progress in Haiti, or FRAP. When Aristide was overthrown in 1991, FRAP was the organ of state terror used by the resulting dictatorship in those years of the early 90s. Thousands of Haitians were killed in order to terrorize the population into submission. Emmanuel Constant was tried in abstention on charges that he had helped mastermind the 1994 massacre, convicted, and sentenced to life in prison. The United States has repeatedly refused Haiti's request to extradite Constant. And get a load of this. In 2008, Emmanuel Constant was sentenced to up to 37 and a half years in jail in the U.S. for his role in a mortgage fraud scheme. Speaking of ripping off people, remember the four pillars I mentioned at the beginning of today's show? Three of them are enticing third world nations into dubious loans, imposing economically destructive structural adjustment programs, and unfair conditions of international trade. Okay, you heard earlier how the Duvaliers ran up huge international debts. These loans were made by Western lending institutions that knew the dictators were stealing the loan money. But no matter. Haiti was firmly put on a spiraling downward debt treadmill. Money that could have gone to help the Haitian people instead went to international bankers and the like. It's progressives worldwide who fight for third world debt relief. You can check out podcasts 90 and 121 about that. 
Structural adjustment programs are right-wing-type economic policies imposed on third-world nations by the International Monetary Fund, the IMF, and other global financial institutions as a condition for assistance. Among the usual elements of a structural adjustment program are cutting subsidies for basic goods, cutting social spending, shrinking government, privatization, elimination of tariffs, and elimination of restrictions on foreign ownership of businesses. A bit of info about an especially egregious element in the International Monetary Fund's impoverishment of Haiti. The IMF forced Haiti to virtually eliminate tariffs on rice. Hundreds of thousands of tons of cheaper U.S. government-subsidized rice, and sugar as well, flooded the Haitian market. Haitian farmers went bankrupt. Haiti went from exporting rice and sugar to importing these products. Countless thousands of Haitian farmers went bankrupt and fled the countryside, migrating to the slums of the capital city. There they can provide cheap labor for garment industry sweatshops. So the IMF basically destroyed Haitian agriculture. Of course, the unfair conditions of international trade vis-a-vis -vis Haiti took the form of the U.S. subsidizing its own rice and sugar production, lowering the price so foreign competitors could be eliminated. What's the upshot of all this abuse of Haiti by the West through the ages? How poor is Haiti? 50% of Haitian children suffer from malnutrition. Its infant mortality rate is 10 times that of the United States. If Haiti had the same infant mortality rate as the United States, 14,000 Haitian infants would live, not die, every year before they reached one year old. Already rock bottom, Haitian per capita income has actually been dropping. Yet, in 2003, for example, Haiti spent over $57 million to pay off its debt run up by the dictators, while total foreign aid for social services was less than $40 million. As one commentator astringently put it, quote, In other words, under a system of putative benevolence, Haiti paid back more than it received. Close quote. Along these lines, in light of the Haitian earthquake disaster, has the IMF mended its ways? No. Reports are new IMF assistance will come with the usual structural adjustment program right-wing economic policy strings attached. Keep on exploiting Haiti, no matter how beaten and bloody the Haitian people are. In a moment, we'll wrap things up. Your one-minute voting report. Did you know that iTunes is where most people go to find podcasts? When someone is looking for a political show, I want them to see Blast the Right on the first page they come to. To get on the iTunes News and Politics featured page, we need lots of five-star reviews and five-star ratings in the iTunes Music Store. So, if you haven't done so already, please write a five-star review or click a five-star rating for Blast the Right in the iTunes Music Store. You only have to do it once. It stays up there forever, countering the right-wing one-star sabotage reviews. Over at PodcastAlley.com, we're on the national top ten this month. 
and I'd like to keep it that way. Voting starts anew there each month, so if you haven't done so already, you can take 10 seconds and vote for Blast the Right at podcastalley.com this month, and next month you can remember to do so as well. If you forget, I'll be sure to remind you. Thanks for all your help. Let me wrap this up. All indications are that Aristide is still enormously popular in Haiti and that he would win any free and fair election there. That's why the Haitian puppet government has banned Aristide's party from participating in the upcoming election, which was originally scheduled for next month. The United States has sent thousands and thousands of troops to post-earthquake Haiti, ostensibly to ensure security. Yet, reports on the ground indicate that there are no security concerns to warrant such an influx of heavily armed foreign troops. You know why we want troops there. We don't want the Haitian people to get any 1791 or 1990 ideas about freeing themselves from Western economic domination. You and I have covered a lot of ground here. Mark Weisbrot is the co-director of the Center for Economic and Policy Research in Washington, D.C. Here, he ties all of what you've heard today together. Quote, To understand the U.S. government's obsession with security concerns, we must look at the recent history of Washington's involvement there. Unlike the two centuries of looting and pillage of Haiti since its founding by a slave revolt in 1804, the brutal occupation by U.S. Marines from 1915 to 1934, the countless atrocities under dictatorships aided and abetted by Washington, the 2004 coup cannot be dismissed as ancient history. It was just six years ago, and it is directly relevant to what is happening there now. The U.S., together with Canada and France, conspired openly for four years to topple Haiti's elected government, cutting off almost all international aid in order to destroy the economy and make the country ungovernable. They succeeded. For those who wonder why there are no Haitian government institutions to help with the earthquake relief efforts, this is a big reason. Or why there are three million people crowded into the area where the earthquake hit. U.S. policy over the years also helped destroy Haitian agriculture, for example, by forcing the import of subsidized U.S. rice and wiping out thousands of Haitian rice farmers. Close quote. How about I play you O'Reilly again? At the beginning of the show when you heard it, you knew what he was saying sounded offensive and wrong. Now as you listen along again, you have all the historical facts you need to be able to truly understand why O'Reilly and all the other right-wing corporate media are so murderously off-base. Hi, I'm Bill O'Reilly. Thanks for watching us tonight. Haiti, liberalism in America. That is the subject of this evening's Talking Points memo. A terrible earthquake, as you know, has crushed the Caribbean nation of Haiti, the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. Reports say thousands are dead, and this beleaguered nation may completely collapse. The question is, how much should the world do to save Haiti? Now, some conservative commentators today pointed out it took President Obama three days to talk about the Christmas Day terror incident, but just hours to address the disaster in Haiti. Talking Points believes the president should have reacted quicker to the underwear bomber, but it is certainly appropriate for Mr. Obama to address Haiti quickly. 
The United States is a noble nation, and the word the world needs to hear that over and over and over. Already the U.S. Coast Guard is saving lives in Haiti, and America will respond generously to this devastation. We always do. Always. Now, as far as Haiti is concerned, the USA has given that country more than $1 billion over the past five years. Compare that to the World Bank, which has donated about $300 million over the same time. It is clear America is very concerned about the world's poor. And Talking Points would like to know how much money Russia and China have donated. I myself donate money to the Haitian Health Foundation run by a Connecticut patriot, Dr. Jerry Lowney. I give the money directly to the doctor because I know if I send it to the island, Haitian authorities will most likely steal it. And therein lies the problem with Haiti, massive corruption. There are 9 million Haitians on the island, so there's enough aid to provide for all of them. The nation could be a tourist mecca. It is rich in folklore and culture, including voodoo. It has the Caribbean Sea and very nice people. But there is little tourism in Haiti. My travels there have been illuminating. Only half the population can read and write. Unemployment's more than 50%. Most Haitians live on less than $2 a day. No matter how much charity is given, no matter how many good intentions there are, Haiti will remain chaotic until discipline is imposed. Many liberals don't want to hear that. They believe a nanny state can provide, but it can't. No society will prosper unless there are rules of conduct, mandatory education, and fairness by those in power. None of that happens in Haiti. And so the USA will once again pour millions into that country, much of which will be stolen. Once again, we will do more than anyone else on the planet. And one year from today, Haiti will be just as bad as it is right now. And that's a memo. Let's see. We in the Western world enslave, blockade, embargo, squeeze out reparations, invade, occupy, impose bloody dictatorships, and force the Haitians to destroy their own economy. We're up to our eyeballs in Haitian blood. Then, if we also send some charity over there, Bill O'Reilly says we're noble. And O'Reilly proclaims the Haitians need discipline. No, the Haitians don't need discipline, although they do need the fair government O'Reilly briefly and disingenuously mentions without acknowledging, perhaps not even knowing about, the history you've heard a bit about here today. No, what Haitians need is economic and political justice. Here are eight steps for progressives to demand. 1. Make future aid to Haiti in the form of grants, not loans. 2. Hire Haitian workers at good wages in all reconstruction projects. 3. Cancel all of Haiti's international debt. 4. End the IMF imposition of structural adjustment right-wing economic policies on Haiti. 5. Throw open U.S. markets to Haitian crops and manufactured goods. 6. Pay $21 billion in restitution to Haiti for the illegitimate reparations it was forced to pay to France and other Western powers for 122 years. 7. Lift the ban on Aristide's political party. 8. Allow Aristide to return to Haiti. I know, I know, you may well be thinking fat chance of these eight policy prescriptions being implemented anytime soon. But I want you to put things in perspective. The Haitian people suffered and worked diligently for 200 years after their slave revolt before they could democratically elect their first president. 
Unfortunately, progress is often not something you can measure in your own lifetime. But for it to ever occur, you have to keep working for it. Take heart and actively take the side of the Haitian people and all other peoples in the third world struggling to breathe free. Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend. Tell ten friends about Blast the Right. Vote for Blast the Right at podcastalley.com. And, of course, write a five-star review or click a five-star rating for Blast the Right in the iTunes Music Store. Thanks to Ellen in Kansas City for help with this week's show. Music credits. The break music was Kill the Poor by Matthew Grimm and the Red Smear. The Schnee Speaks by KG House, combined with the alternate Blast the Right theme by Nye's Music, and Not the One Blues by Bernshee Thornside. We'll close with a little bit of Peter Finch as Howard Beale in the classic film Network, combined with No Justice, No Peace by Wacky Avelli. Links to all the music I play on Blast the Right can be found on my music resources page. Links to all the statistics and quotations I use can be found on my data resources page. I'm also now posting transcripts of each show. All of these can be found linked to off the main podcast homepage. You get to the main podcast homepage by typing Blast the Right into Google, and I'm the first result. I love getting your email. I read every one, and I'm doing my best to reply to everyone. My address is rational at roadrunner.com. You can also call in and leave a message for me to play on the show. Just dial 310-933-5891 and leave your message. Another way to leave a message is on Skype. My Skype name is Jack from Blast the Right. So, until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing misguided souls. You've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! We're mad as hell, and we ain't going to take it anymore. No justice, no peace. We're mad